the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style from a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms to the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. All right, not a lot of time these evenings because our readings are a little bit longer. We're into a group of psalms compiled by a man named Asaph, the leader of one of David's Levitical choirs. He collected Psalms 73 through 83. Asaph really had a clear vision and picture of the greatness and the goodness and of the plan of God, the way that God deals with us as God's people and, of course, with those who oppose God and his people. Tonight we're going to continue through the book of Second Kings. Joash is going to die and in his reign. That fiasco involving Jehu and Ahab and Jezebel and Jehu wreaking havoc on all the kings and the royal families, particularly in Israel. Right now, though, a plea for God to help his people defend his cause and remember his promises, his assurances to people. When we feel devastated, we can ask God for help. Psalm 74. O God, why have you rejected us forever? Why is your anger so intense against the sheep of your own pasture? Remember that we are the people you chose in ancient times, the tribe you redeemed as your own special possession. And remember Jerusalem, your home here on earth. Walk through the awful ruins of the city. See how the enemy has destroyed your sanctuary. There your enemies shouted their victorious battle cries. There they set up their battle standards. They chopped down the entrance like woodcutters in a forest. With axes and picks, they smashed the carved paneling. 
They set the sanctuary on fire, burning it to the ground. They utterly defiled the place that bears your holy name. Then they thought, let's destroy everything. So they burned down all the places where God was worshipped. We see no miraculous signs as evidence that you will save us. All the prophets are gone. No one can tell us when it will end. How long, O God, will you allow our enemies to mock you? Will you let them dishonor your name forever? Why do you hold back your strong right hand? Unleash your powerful fist and deliver a death blow. You, O God, are my king from ages past, bringing salvation to the earth. You split the sea by your strength and smashed the sea monster's heads. You crushed the heads of Leviathan and let the desert animals eat him. You caused the springs and streams to gush forth, and you dried up rivers that never run dry. Both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun. You set the boundaries of the earth, and you make both summer and winter. See how these enemies scoff at you, Lord. A foolish nation has dishonored your name. Don't let these wild beasts destroy your doves. Don't forget your afflicted people forever. Remember your covenant promises, for the land is full of darkness and violence. Don't let the downtrodden be constantly disgraced. Instead, let these poor and needy ones give praise to your name. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how these fools insult you all day long. Don't overlook these things your enemies have said. Their uproar of rebellion grows ever louder. End of reading Psalm 74. Listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. There's this constant downward spiral as we move away from an awareness of God, an acknowledgement of God, a worship of God, and then, of course, an obedience to God. That's what we see in our world today as well. Men and women who go through an entire day like this beautiful day we've just had here in South Texas and never think about God. Never think about our Creator and their love for Him and His gifts to us in His designs and His desires for our lives. Now, they may borrow, and they often do, from God selectively. They borrow from the values that God has given to us, love and sacrifice and generosity and goodness, as long as it suits our fancy, as long as it seems to serve our purposes or make us look good. But when it comes to a discipline, when we have to deny ourselves something because of the values that God would give to us, then sometimes, you know, eh, we're one nation under God as long as God kind of goes along with us. We see now that same mentality here in the kings of Israel. We've just come through this fiasco, as I said, of Ahab and Jezebel, and Jehu has wreaked havoc. Athaliah was killed. Joash was saved from the slaughter of Athaliah. Interestingly, he was saved by her sister or niece, the wife of Jehoiada the priest. But now Joash is ending his reign. We're going into another series of kings, both of Israel and Judah, with Elisha being the prophet of God. The Bible life. 2 Kings 12:17 through 15:38. 2 Kings 12. About this time, King Hazael of Aram went to war against Gath and captured it. Then he turned to attack Jerusalem. 
King Joash collected all the sacred objects that Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and Ahaziah, the previous kings of Judah, had dedicated, along with what he himself had dedicated. He sent them all to Hazael, along with all the gold in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. So Hazael called off his attack on Jerusalem. The rest of the events in Joash's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. But his officers plotted against him and assassinated him at Beth Milo on the road to Selah. The assassins were Josabad, son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, son of Shomer, both trusted advisors. Joash was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Amaziah became the next king. 2 Kings 13 Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, began to rule over Israel in the 23rd year of King Joash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 17 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He followed the example of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, continuing the sins of idolatry that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. So the Lord was very angry with Israel, and he allowed King Hazael of Aram and his son Ben-Hadad to defeat them time after time. Then Jehoahaz prayed for the Lord's help, and the Lord heard his prayer. The Lord could see how terribly the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. So the Lord raised up a deliverer to rescue the Israelites from the tyranny of the Arameans. Then Israel lived in safety again, as they had in former days. But they continued to sin, following the evil example of Jeroboam. They even set up an Asherah pole in Samaria. Finally, Jehoahaz's army was reduced to 50 mounted troops, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers. The king of Aram had killed the others like they were dust under his feet. The rest of the events in Jehoahaz's reign and all his deeds, including the extent of his power, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoahaz died, he was buried in Samaria with his ancestors. Then his son Jehoash became the next king. Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, began to rule over Israel in the 37th year of King Joash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 16 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins of idolatry that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. The rest of the events in Joash's reign and all his deeds, including the extent of his power and his war with King Amaziah of Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoash died, he was buried with his ancestors in Samaria. Then his son, Jeroboam II, became the next king. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Then Elisha told the king of Israel to put his hand on the bow, and Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, Open that eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, Shoot, so he did. Then Elisha proclaimed, This is the Lord's arrow, full of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until they were entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the body they were burying into the tomb of Elisha. 
But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. King Hazael of Aram had oppressed Israel during the entire reign of King Jehoahaz. But the Lord was gracious to the people of Israel, and they were not totally destroyed. He pitied them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to this day he still has not completely destroyed them or banished them from his presence. King Hazael of Aram died, and his son Ben-Hadad became the next king. Then Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, recaptured from Ben-Hadad, son of Hazael, the towns that Hazael had taken from Jehoash's father, Jehoahaz. Jehoash defeated Ben-Hadad on three occasions, and so recovered the Israelite towns. 2 Kings 14 Amaziah, son of Joash, began to rule over Judah in the second year of the reign of King Jehoash of Israel. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Jehoadine from Jerusalem. Amaziah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, but not like his ancestor David. Instead, he followed the example of his father, Joash. Amaziah did not destroy the pagan shrines where the people offered sacrifices and burned incense. When Amaziah was well established as king, he executed the men who had assassinated his father. However, he did not kill the children of the assassins, for he obeyed the command of the Lord written in the book of the law of Moses. Parents must not be put to death for the sins of their children, nor the children for the sins of their parents. Those worthy of death must be executed for their own crimes. It was Amaziah who killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He also conquered Selah and changed its name to Jokthil, as it is called to this day. One day Amaziah sent this challenge to Israel's king Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz and grandson of Jehu. Come and meet me in battle. But King Jehoash of Israel replied to King Amaziah of Judah with this story. Out in the Lebanon mountains, a thistle sent a message to a mighty cedar tree. Give your daughter in marriage to my son. But just then, a wild animal came by and stepped on the thistle, crushing it. You have indeed destroyed Edom and are very proud about it. Be content with your victory and stay at home. Why stir up trouble that will bring disaster on you and the people of Judah? But Amaziah refused to listen. So King Jehoash of Israel mobilized his army against King Amaziah of Judah. The two armies drew up their battle lines at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Judah was routed by the army of Israel, and its army scattered and fled for home. King Jehoash of Israel captured King Amaziah of Judah at Beth Shemesh and marched on to Jerusalem. Then Jehoash ordered his army to demolish 600 feet of Jerusalem's wall, from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. He carried off all the gold and silver and all the utensils from the temple of the Lord, as well as from the palace treasury. He also took hostages and returned to Samaria. The rest of the events in Jehoash's reign, including the extent of his power and his war with King Amaziah of Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoash died, he was buried with his ancestors in Samaria. Then his son, Jeroboam II, became the next king. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. King Amaziah of Judah lived on for 15 years after the death of King Jehoash of Israel. The rest of the events in Amaziah's reign are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. There was a conspiracy against Amaziah's life in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But his enemies sent assassins after him, and they killed him there. 
They brought him back to Jerusalem on a horse, and he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. The people of Judah then crowned Amaziah's 16-year-old son Uzziah as their next king. After his father's death, Uzziah rebuilt the town of Elath and restored it to Judah. Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, began to rule over Israel in the 15th year of King Amaziah's reign in Judah. Jeroboam reigned in Samaria 41 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins of idolatry that Jeroboam son of Nebat had led Israel to commit. Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between Lebo Hamath and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord the God of Israel had promised through Jonah son of Amittai the prophet from Gathhefer. For the Lord saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel, and how they had absolutely no one to help them. And because the Lord had said he would not blot out the name of Israel completely, he used Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, to save them. The rest of the events in the reign of Jeroboam II and all his deeds, including the extent of his power, his wars, and how he recovered for Israel both Damascus and Hamath, which had belonged to Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jeroboam II died, he was buried with his ancestors, the kings of Israel. Then his son, Zechariah, became the next king. 2 Kings 15 Uzziah, son of Amaziah, began to rule over Judah in the 27th year of the reign of King Jeroboam II of Israel. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother was Jecoliah from Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight just as his father Amaziah had done. But he did not destroy the pagan shrines where the people offered sacrifices and burned incense. The Lord struck the king with leprosy, which lasted until the day of his death. He lived in a house by himself. The king's son Jotham was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. The rest of the events in Uzziah's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Uzziah died, he was buried near his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Jotham became the next king. Zechariah, son of Jeroboam II, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria six months. Zechariah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, as his ancestors had done. He refused to turn from the sins of idolatry that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then Shalom, son of Jabesh, conspired against Zechariah, assassinated him in public, and became the next king. The rest of the events in Zechariah's reign are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. So the Lord's message to Jehu came true. Your descendants will be kings of Israel down to the fourth generation. Shalom, son of Jabesh, began to rule over Israel in the thirty-ninth year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. Shalom reigned in Samaria only one month. Then Manahim, son of Gadi, went to Samaria from Terza and assassinated him, and he became the next king. The rest of the events in Shalom's reign, including his conspiracy, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. At that time, Menahem destroyed the town of Tapua and all the surrounding countryside as far as Terza because its citizens refused to surrender the town. He killed the entire population and ripped open the pregnant women. 
Menahem, son of Gadi, began to rule over Israel in the thirty-ninth year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria ten years. But Menahem did what was evil in the Lord's sight. During his entire reign, he refused to turn from the sins of idolatry that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria invaded the land. But Menahem paid him thirty-seven tons of silver to gain his support in tightening his grip on royal power. Menahem extorted the money from the rich of Israel, demanding that each of them pay twenty ounces of silver in the form of a special tax. So the king of Assyria turned from attacking Israel and did not stay in the land. The rest of the events in Menahem's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Menahem died, his son Pekahiah became the next king. Pekahiah, son of Menahem, began to rule over Israel in the fiftieth year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria two years. But Pekahiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins of idolatry that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then Pekah, son of Remaliah, the commander of Pekahiah's army, conspired against him. With fifty men from Gilead, Pekah assassinated the king, along with Argob and Areah in the citadel of the palace at Samaria. Pekah then became the next king of Israel. The rest of the events in Pekahiah's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Pekah son of Remaliah began to rule over Israel in the fifty-second year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria twenty years, but Pekah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins of idolatry that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. During his reign, King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria attacked Israel again, and he captured the towns of Ijon, Abel-Beth-Maacah, Janoah, Kedesh, and Hazor. He also conquered the regions of Gilead, Galilee, and Naphtali, and he took the people to Assyria as captives. Then Hoshea, son of Elah, conspired against Pekah and assassinated him. He began to rule over Israel in the twentieth year of Jotham, son of Uzziah. The rest of the events in Pekah's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Jotham, son of Uzziah, began to rule over Judah in the second year of King Pekah's reign in Israel. He was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem sixteen years. His mother was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. Jotham did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Uzziah had done. But he did not destroy the pagan shrines where the people offered sacrifices and burned incense. He was the one who rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord. The rest of the events in Jotham's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. In those days the Lord began to send King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel to attack Judah. When Jotham died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Ahaz became the next king. End of reading, 2 Kings 12, 17 through 15, 38. To see the Lord, see Him as He is, know Him, worship Him, enjoy the Lord in our lives. And yet at the same time, we need to be able to see the hand of God in our times. What is God doing in these days? Are you 
searching and seeking and asking the Lord, show me your will. What is it you have for us in these times in which we live? I can tell you one thing that God is always doing. He is always calling out a people for himself, always interested in the whole world. He's not interested in just one nation or one favored group. He has no favoritism at all. If as a nation, if as a people, as a society, we lend ourselves to his purposes in terms of our consensus of morality and our national consensus of worship and acknowledgement of God, there will be blessing when we lend ourselves to his purposes and we participate not only in acknowledging God, but worshiping him and seeking his face, seeking to live in a way that honors him and contributing to the spread of the good news, the knowledge of the true and living God, his son, the Messiah, and the salvation that is available to mankind through faith in Jesus, helping to deliver cultures and societies from false gods, idol worship, and all the terrible things that go with the worship of false gods. That's why America was blessed in the beginnings of our nation, because we were founded on that foundation. This was the practical worldview of a commanding consensus of American society. Enemies of faith, the enemies of God, the enemies of the gospel have driven that wedge. And over this last 40 or 50 years, we have seen this long spiral, the same kind of process we see now with the kings of Israel and Judah. Now, remember that Israel split into the ten tribes in the north and Judah and Benjamin in the south in, in 930. The time of King Saul was 1040 to 1010, and in David, 1010 to 970, Solomon from 970 to 930. And that's when Jeroboam took the northern tribes away, and Rehoboam remained in the south with Judah and Benjamin. Then began the reigns of all of these kings we've been reading about. We're about halfway through the process now, maybe closer to two-thirds. We're coming to this part where it begins to really spiral quickly. You'll notice that the kings of Israel will go by faster because of their instability in the north. This period of the kings, after the division, I mean, lasts for 345 years. The tribes in the north of Israel, they only last for 209 years from 930 to 722 B.C., before they are taken captive into Assyria in the north with their capital in Nineveh. What's happening globally around Israel is that Egypt was once the great power of the whole region. Then it moved up to David and Solomon in the 80 years of the time of uh, Israel's strength. They began to decline, and Aram now, with their capital Damascus, has become the chief enemy and the great power of that area. Now it's going to move over to Nineveh, and the nation of Assyria, they will be the ones who take the northern tribes captive. Then it will slide over to Babylon, and they will be the ones who destroy Jerusalem in 586 B.C. But you see these processes, the big picture and the small picture. Inside it, you've got this nation of Israel torn because there is that good news. There is a great, good, and true and living God there if they would only follow him. Just watching this process, these kings coming and going, some doing a little bit better than others, others doing just terribly bad. Uh, there's so much that can be said in any one of their lives. For example, Joash was assassinated. Interestingly enough, he served the Lord well until Jehoiada, that priest that had saved his life as a child, until Jehoiada died. When he was under Jehoiada's instructions and guidance, he served the Lord well. But when that guidance was taken away, he abandoned the Lord and disobeyed the Lord, and then he was assassinated, interestingly enough. The thing I fixed on, though, as well, was that it says here the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel, and they were not totally destroyed, 
because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We stand on the shoulders of others who went before us, and we are benefiting to a great extent from their faithfulness. Will we pass it on to those who come after us? The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.